welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, welcome back, Brewer, Brewer Review fans and Brewer fans and baseball fans, for that matter, to another Brewer Review Christmas special. This is our 2022 edition, and joining me is my longtime co-host, Vince Travato. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Craig. It's hard to believe that we've been doing Christmas specials since uh, at least 2005, if not 2004, so it'll be great to celebrate the holiday here with you and Chad and uh, Scotty today. Yeah. And, and I mean, back in the day when we had our TV show, we'd have an annual, annual Christmas special where at the end we'd actually uh, exchange names and have a little host gift exchange. And I, I miss those days. And it's just much, yeah. much harder to do nowadays that we all live in other parts of the country. Of course, I'm living here in the Milwaukee area and Vince are down there in Houston. Scott's out there yeah. in Las Vegas. And uh, I believe Chad is, uh, living somewhere under a bridge uh, near Soldier Field in uh, Chicago or something <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, so I mean, it's much harder to do it these days. But with that being said, um, we still have a, a lot of great love uh, for all of our co-hosts and uh, our listeners. We, we we definitely appreciate you throughout all the years um, listening, watching our TV show back starting all the way back in 2004. And of course, our podcast for the last five plus years um so we definitely appreciate you um now one thing do you think that do you think that there still is a christmas card from us up at benno's in west Dallas? since nothing ever changes in in, in downtown west Dallas, uh I, I believe it probably would be don't know for yeah. sure and but... make sure you, we do need to double check and make sure that the interns got their christmas cards out this year including to tom on quarter uh, our former colleague yep so this is a, we have a very special request from our listeners, and we don't request very much from you guys over the years, but this is this is something that's very important. Um, so I'm sure you know, everyone's familiar with the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life, and of course, uh, set in Bedford Falls, um, our protagonist, George Bailey, kind of uh, has a lot of bad things happen to him, and he goes to a kind of very dark place and wonders whether or not he still likes life. Uh, and of course, his family and friends had to pull together and... Uh, and uh, come to his rescue uh and unfortunately i hate to have to break this news but one of our co-hosts scott bartell great man that he is um has lost his love for baseball apparently this christmas season what's the matter with everybody janie go on i told you to practice now go on play oh scott <laughs> scott why must you torture the children why don't you Bed for 247, please. Is Jenny in trouble? Yes, Pete. Shall I pray for him? Yes, Jenny, pray very hard. Me too? You too, Tommy. Hello? Uncle Billy? And Scott has saved many Christmases during all these years as Brooker Review host. And so we're asking, oh, yeah. we're trying to find out this year if Christmas can save Scott. And we're going to need everyone to pool in their Christmas spirit and their base their love of baseball and their baseball spirit um, to pool together to help out our good friend and co-host Scott Bartell 
because he's also gone to a very dark places. He recently professed to us that he no longer likes baseball. And I don't yeah. want to get into all the specifics on how he went to this very dark place. And I mean, the Milwaukee Brewers did contribute their part. I'll just put that. Um, as so last season was very difficult, <laughs> um, as it was on all you Brewer fans. But we know we can we can pull ahead and do this. So what what we need you guys to do, if you could please, is if you could please send Scott an email, and that we this is a special email where Scott Scott's angel will get him this um, email directly. And if you can. It's uh, if you could please send reasons why Scott should still love baseball and even more specifically Milwaukee Brewers baseball. And if you could send those messages and those reasons to Scott loves baseball at yahoo.com. Um, Scott will then get those messages and we're hoping to hit that he, he restores his love of baseball and he gets that as a Christmas gift from all his longtime listeners before the, uh, yeah, the holiday season. So. Yeah, and it should be pointed out for all of our listeners, too, how much he's done uh, over the years to save Christmas in West Dallas and beyond. I remember one year he saved uh, Santa's reindeer in downtown West Dallas. Uh, one year he, he sang as a Christmas angel at a local nursing home facility in West Dallas. Um, another time, Scott was uh, singing with Muppets uh, and Puppets across uh, on statewide television, uh, utter into the utter detriment of of kind of his self-esteem that year, but he did it for, for the community and, and the larger cause just to make sure everybody else had a great Christmas. So we do want to make sure that um, Scott has a nice Christmas and brings back his love of baseball. And, um, you know, we, we'd like to welcome him back onto our show uh, soon, sooner rather than later. And I think that we can do that with, uh, with all the support that y'all can send in. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with that being said, that, br that brings me to a point that uh, we've put together um, a series of top five things that Scott about Scott's life and about his past. Um, so that you, if you're not familiar with who Scott is and all the great things that, that he's done and why he's a great man, uh, this will get you familiar with that if you're a kind of a newer listener. But uh, again, yeah. if you could please send your messages on why Scott Bartell should regain his love of baseball. If you could please send those, uh, those emails out to Scott loves baseball at yahoo.com. And I'll start with our first Scott list of the day. And that's, what are the top five ways that Scott Bartell has saved Christmas past for Brewer fans? And uh, all right, let's go through these real quick. And, and you rattled off a couple of them just now, uh, Vince, but th th this is our, this is what he's done. So um, number five, uh, he found an adequate Christmas sweater to wear on Christmas 2009 special. And he bought a gift I think it was for Vince just in the nick of time before the show started. So that's how he saved Christmas yep. in 2009. Fourth yep. on the list, he prevented small puppy Banjo from peeing on the Channel 14 rug before the start of the Christmas 2011 episode, even though Banjo, I think, was just licking off some of the apple juice or whatnot, whatever Scott was drinking that he spilled on the rug himself. Um, but uh, that's how he saved <laughs> Christmas in 2011. Uh, all right, the third way that's uh third best way that scott saved christmas past he he gave santa claus a craig council brewer card on the christmas special 2006 number two he sang christmas songs with a gaggle of puppets on christmas special 2007 and the number one reason that's one of the things he really enjoys doing he really does 
Um, and the number one reason Scott has saved, or the number one way that Scott has saved our Christmas pass for our Burr fans and listeners, that he found Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in downtown West Dallas and returned him to Santa Claus in our very first Christmas 2005 special. So there you go. Top five ways Scott Bartella saved Christmas. Yep. Yeah, and those are just the top five of many. I just need to point that out. He, he kept Benno's in business at one Christmas season himself. I mean, it was pretty, pretty unbelievable and unreal what he did for the economy of downtown West Dallas between the Chinese restaurants um, downtown and the Papa John's and the, and Benno's. It was it was very impressive in a liquor store next door to the studio. He is such a solid consumer and has been for years. I mean, the, 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 he's just been a shot in the arm to the downtown West Dallas community alone. I know he spent some money at yep. Steakhouse 100 too, and even Swords and Dreams back in the day. And also yep. uh, 88 Keys Piano Bar even. So, I mean, this he's just such a yeah. solid consumer. So please give back to Scott after what he's done for your, your, uh, all of our West Dallas listeners for all these years. Again, send your great Christmas wishes. And the reason Scott Bartel should still love baseball is Scott loves baseball at yahoo.com. All right. Without further ado, let's yeah, actually. I will just also point out that we have no idea what to do with his interns. I'm too old, old for that. So. Um, in the meantime, they are very directionless and, and just begging for Scott to come back to the show. Yeah, our, we really don't know what to do with the interns if I fire them or. Um, very so, yeah. confusing. So, yeah, so please help them out this Christmas season as well. All right. Uh, so I know that you what you really tune in for is to, talk, to listen to some talk about Brewer baseball. So let's get right to that, Vince. Um, there's yeah. um, been another trade the Milwaukee Brewers have made uh, since our last taping. When we last uh, did our our last podcast, podcast the Brewers had traded Hunter Renfro to the Anaheim Angels, um, or the Los Angeles Angels, Anaheim, whatever they're called now. But uh, now they've made a trade with the Seattle Mariners, and they've traded second baseman Colton Wong, who they've just picked up his final club option for for this season. Then they proceeded to trade him. Um, to the Seattle Mariners for left-handed outfielder Jesse Winker and switch hitting third base slash second baseman, right-handed hitting Abraham Toro from the Seattle Mariners. So um, what, what I guess what were your thoughts on the trade, Vince? Well, um, I think that we had, not to toot our own horn, but I think that we had said that that was still a possibility even after Brewers had uh, picked up the option just because it was, you know, still a, a sunk cost to a degree, but also just because it does open up a bit of um, a roster crunch uh, to keep him. So I, I liked Colton Wong a lot. I thought that he brought some great veteran leadership. I think that he, despite his numbers defensively last year, provided some really good solid defense up the middle um, overall. Um, I think that was a bit of a weird aberration last year. Um I liked him in the clubhouse. I think that, um, you know, he's one of those types of guys that you like to have on your team. That being said, I still am okay with this trade for several reasons. Number one, I think that um, the return was okay. I think that we do need to replace the power uh, that we lost with Renfro, and I'm hopeful that Winker can do that. Um, Toro is a pretty versatile infielder, um, so he can play multiple positions. So he kind of fills uh, that that role that guys like Hernan Perez and uh, uh, Pablo Reyes and just guys who can play multiple positions are filled. But I do think his ceiling is much higher than those guys too. He still is a pretty young guy, um, so I think that 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 Toro could be kind of an understatedly good aspect of this trade. 
um, to get a chance to see him down here in Houston a little bit before they traded him up to the Mariners, and I did like him. Um, so I like it for those reasons. I think also um, the other reason why I'm okay with this is, is that I do think that this is going to open up an opportunity for Bryce Terang to play uh, second base, maybe even to start off the year. I, that's going to be up to the Brewers if they're willing to start his service clock uh, on opening day, which is a big if with our organization being very frugal and stingy right now, uh, much to my chagrin. But I do think that um, that possibility is at least out there. And I hope that Terang comes out and has an outstanding spring training to go along with great numbers in AAA last year to give him an opportunity uh, right away to start off the bat in 2023. Um, and I also think that that slides Urias to a, a more of a utility position so you can have him and Toro sort of filling those roles. And I think that Urias is best spot or best role as well uh, maybe not starting every day as your third baseman so I think you can kind of play around and, and adjust some things um, going forward with the infield so that's that's one of the reasons I like it yeah I pretty much 100% agree with your analysis on that trade uh, Vince I think Colton Wong and Jesse Wink are very similar they're both uh, left-handed hitting uh, veterans who are in the last year of their arbitration eligibility or, or I'm sorry, not, uh, well, Winker is, and, and of course, Wong had his option picked up. So they're both in their last year of team control is what I should say. Um, and Wong was set to make 10 million. And I think Winker is going to make about around eight, not, uh, 8 million, I believe. So he's a little bit cheaper, even though I believe, believe well, the might kicked in the, kicked in the salary to offset that. But it was an $8 million decision on Wong, I think as well, just because 2 million of that was, just assumed with the option it was going to be paid out either way. So yeah, but yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, um, and then, so I guess really the, that's kind of a wash. And and if you really think about Wong, I think is a better clubhouse uh, presence than Winker as there's been some questions about what him in that regards, but um, otherwise they're similarly, but different. I mean, Colton Wong kind of has a little more of a lead off hitter type profile. Uh, and we have, and since he's left-hand hit, that's the same thing that Christian Yelich is a left-hand hit with a similar profile. And even if you really think about it, Garrett Mitchell as well, who should almost get every day at bats this year, I'm thinking in the outfield. Um, so with that being said, having three guys all at that same profile didn't make a ton of sense. So by moving it to Winker, who's got a little bit more power, um, in fact, in 2021, he had a breakout season. Um, last mm -hmm. year, he did have, he tailed off a bit, of course, but he really does have a good idea of the strike zone. And so I think he'll be able to get on base. Uh, he, so again, I think that him and Wong are almost a wash quality wise. And, you know, yeah. since I was, I wasn't really for us picking up the option on Wong just because of how much it costs anyway. Um, this is kind of just like reallocating those funds for a different position. Winker, of course, can play outfield and most likely get some at-bats at DH. Um, but Toro is the interesting piece here. Like you said, he's only 26. He has, I think, like four more years of arbitration eligibility left. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, so he's still really cheap. Um, he'll, he'll fit right on the roster. He's got plenty of minor league and major league experience, but he's really never been given like an everyday role. And I think that he could really take off still. You know, he's getting close to his baseball prime. Um, I think he does have some nice power. If he had everyday at-bats, he'd probably hit about 25 home runs. Um and he's the switch hitter, which is kind of valuable. And again, his position eligibility is something that the Brewers have always really valued. And so he kind of almost will step in the role, I think, that Jace Peterson filled for us the last two years. And that's kind of utility infielder, yeah. like you mentioned. But he really can play 
Just like Jace, he can play uh, third base, second base. Um, I don't believe he's got any experience at, at first like <laughs> Jace did. But for the most part, yeah, um, I think Winker does have some experience there, if, but if need be. But I mean, really, I think he's going to yeah, have that Jace similar is probably role. Better the, the better comp, the comp than um, Pablo Reyes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> definitely the comp. <laughs> So and and uh, good good for Jace Peterson. Unfortunately, he's no longer a Brewer. But uh, since our last podcast, he signed a two-year deal, which surprised me with the Oakland. A, um, he signed with the A's, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, so it was a major league two-year two-year deal, two-year major league deal. So yeah, good yeah. for him. And so there was obviously the Brewers were going to bring him back for the money he got and the commitment of the two years. And so even though he was really valuable and a fan favorite and kind of our unsung hero the last couple of years. I think Toro can fill that role. He's cheaper, he's younger, and he's got some more upside. So there's nothing to really complain about with this trade. I really like the move. And it kind of goes to show, just like we mentioned in our last podcast too, that we think there's going to be a decent amount of roster turnover, even though he came into the offseason with, you know, quite a few, not that many holes in the lineup. Um, obviously, I think catcher or something will probably still address going forward as well as like some starting pitching depth maybe. I don't know, but and bullpen, but uh, we'll see. Is I, I think that similar to like Stern's tenure, I think Arnold will have the same philosophy. We'll kind of lay in the weeds and see who's still available once everyone, once there's, you know, basically the bargain bin free agents are still left out there. So you're um, telling me that we're going to be reactive instead of proactive, basically? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we're obviously, <laughs> we're going to be signing guys in minor league deals while other te- teams are dishing out uh, 11 year. 300 plus million dollar contracts. Yes, that's us. Um, so <laughs> I, there was, we did, uh, we did put out a tweet or our social media interns put out a tweet uh, a day ago that has gotten quite a bit of likes and a little bit of traction. Um, it says, why does it seem like we are always so reactive? Be proactive and get out there and get who you want if money isn't an issue. And this was in response, this was in response to, um, sorry about that. Um, ad came on my computer here apologies um that was in response to uh, a, a, a tweet from our colleague uh at the journal sentinel who had put out a, something about the winter meetings and how we're not actually going to be doing anything uh at the winter meetings so that did get a little bit of traction a number of people have liked it it's a, and, and that quote ends uh by saying quit waiting on the market to be down to scraps yeah unfortunately uh, we could get into a, a whole podcast of re- the reason why they have to have that philosophy or not have, have to, but I've chosen to do that philosophy. And unfortunately, Christian Yelich's contract has a large portion to do with them not be, being very gun shy and doling out large contracts to uh, to players. We're just not going to be able to. Uh, instead, we're going to focus on trying to extend our guys like a Corbin Burns or a um, or Brandon Woodruff, or, or do some amazing deals ahead of time, like we've done with Freddie Peralta and even Aaron Ashby, in my opinion. So those type of yeah. deals. Um, but but I, I guess as a small market team, it, we're going to have to rely on young guys producing uh, on a minimal salary in order to fit in um, some nicer oh, free agents going forward. Why why are we a small market team again? I mean, our attendance is tenth in the league, and uh, it seems like in the top ten every single season, just about. We've got. You know, just as much uh, of a market problem as San Diego does, but they're spending a ton of money. Um, didn't Disney just give that Disney deal, just give every team another, what was it, $20 million, something like that? I mean, we talk about being a small market, but I don't think we've really crunched those numbers to determine whether that's true or not. I think that sometimes our owner is a bit cheap. Well, I won't argue with that. 
I, I think that he's very frugal, and that's how he fits in Milwaukee. Unfortunately, he's very. I mean, frugal. I'm sorry. I'm really. I'm. I'm going to go on a little two minute rant here just because I'm in the mood. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that it's unwise to be frugal at times. I also think that it's incredibly stupid to be so cheap that you're not going to take advantage of having the window of the best rotation in team history right now and not go out and get another bat because, Hey, I like the trade that we made for Winker and Toro, but Winker's bat at best is just going to replace Renfro who we just traded. So we still haven't improved a bad offense. And I'm just, it's, it's very, very frustrating to me that we're not willing to pay a little bit more to go get a real bat to solidify this lineup, like in the possible, um, you know, winter acquisitions that you just discussed as a, as a potential thing. It was, you know, oh, we might still be go get, going to go get a catcher or maybe we'll get some more depth in the rotation. Like we didn't even talk about another bat. It's as though we're just done. And you're probably right. And that's what's so bothersome about the entire thing. I just, it is incredibly frustrating. I'm not going to quit, uh, you know, baseball or the, or the Brewers, like, you know, some of our, one of our podcast hosts. But I do think that, the Brewers front office has proven to be incredibly frustrating and not taking advantage of windows. And, you know, this team didn't spend hardly any money at all uh, in those 2013 to 2017 seasons. And that was because we were told that that was going to be money that was saved so that when the, the Brewers were able to get good again, that that money would be plowed back into the team. And outside of uh, a Freddie Peralta extension, which is way under market value, by the way, that really hasn't happened much except for the Yelich contract. And that has proven to be a bad contract. I'm not going to blame the front office for doing that, but um, I do think that there's more wiggle room than uh, is being talked about. I think that some of this money that's coming in from national TV deals is being put into stuff like top golf and stadium improvements, uh, which to me are luxury items rather than the product on the field. And that is very bothersome. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with most of your rants. Like I said, we could open up the pocketbook if our owner wanted to. Um, I, I will say that we do have the smallest TV market in baseball, but uh, your revenue sharing point is valid. That should be money we absolutely spend right on the team for sure. And then adding on top of that, if our owner is serious about winning, he should be adding adding to that big time instead of just treading water, especially when we're trying to hit a competitive window. And now yeah. is the time. Now is the time to spend some money. But like I said, I think the main gunshot thing is they're not willing to dole out any contract beyond like a three-year contract. Which after getting burned with a Christian Yelich contract, I can understand why they're gunshot about that. And most of these free agents have signed already, or the big name free agents are signing anywhere from, you know, like I said, uh, three years to like ten-year contracts at this point. And so unfortunately, we're not going to be players in that. But we can certainly afford to sign someone, you know, in a, anywhere from a one to three year contract, a better quality than what we did last off season with like an Andrew McCutcheon. And we'll see. Um, I, well, Craig, let me put it to you this way. I just, I just had our interns look it up. This is a, we just received $30 million uh, from Disney, which is probably what other teams did too. It's part of the revenue sharing agreement. So that's, or the TV agreement. So that is money that is, the other teams are, are putting into the product on the field, which is why you're seeing some of these bigger free agent contracts this winter. I understand that that then does adjust the market, but when you get an additional $30 million to plow into your team, and instead of doing that, you are cutting salary and doing things like, and again, I'm not upset per se that we traded Renfro. I'm upset that we are doing so to cut costs and to cut salary. And then that when we replace them, it's like, we're quote unquote doing something when in reality, all we're doing 
is treading water at best, you know, that's the bothersome part to me. So yeah, it's, it's frustrating because you know, every off If this organization is serious about retaining its fan base, it needs to do things while we're in these competitive, not just a competitive window, but the best rotation in franchise history is sitting in the Brewers dugout, you know, on opening day. Right. I mean, I don't think there's another rotation that compares maybe the 82 team, but I still think this rotation is better. Um, and, but that offense in 82 was way, was way better than, you know, what we have now too. So I just, I don't know why we don't go get one other bat. I don't think it's unreasonable to sign somebody to a two-year deal, even if you pay more per year. Than it's, I mean, the Minnesota Twins signed Carlos Correa last year. The Padres' offers to Aaron Judge and Trey Turner were ridiculous, and they're still spending money after they had a huge you know, deadline. I'm not saying that, it's, that being that all in all the time is always the way to go. I do think there are some benefits to being wiser and, frugal, and more frugal than A.J. Preller, for instance, but I do think that when there's this opportunity you've got sitting in front of you, you need to you need to pull the trigger and you need to be aggressive and you need to quit being reactive, which is what David Stearns has done and what Matt Arnold is doing. And it's it's just getting tiring. And at the risk of losing our press passes, I'm not afraid to say that on a podcast. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree and understand your frustration. And like I, I guess I'm withholding judgment on this offseason until we get a little bit further into it. I, I believe that they're that they're want, willing and wanting to spend money on a contract extension for Corbin Burns and or uh, Brandon Woodruff and and even though we're under, they're a under team control for two more years, I believe they're trying to get that done now. And I think that that way they'll have some cost certainty on what they really can have for their or what they'd like to have for their total budget. And I'm I'm giving that them a, a but maybe that's not even happening behind the scenes. We don't know, but that's why I want to believe. But then on the flip side of that, I just think that that this current free agent market, there's like really great guys in the top end of it that are, you know, these obviously Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts and Aaron Judge and all these names. But there's not the middle ground of kind of where we could, where you know, where we could afford, so to speak, um, doesn't seem to be the, the, the guys that I don't even know that I'd want us to spend the money on. As an example of something we could probably afford if we really wanted to bolster our offense, but we didn't, and probably it would be a good good idea. Mitch Hanniger, former Brewer prospect, we drafted him, came out through our system, traded yeah. uh, You know, he he just signed a three year deal with the San Francisco Giants for I believe thirty nine million. I think we could afford that, but yeah, but should we? I, I mean, I almost want to say that one of our prospects that we brought him up, especially like Joy uh, Joy Weimer, could be just as good as Mitch yeah. Hanger in this during the same three-year window for us and so therefore at a much cheaper rate so therefore I think that they're uh being frugal and and, and maybe it's a just a talent and, and Mitch Hanger is very injury prone and and also up and down uh slump wise so again he's a, he's someone who I probably would have passed on myself but we could have spent me, me too on. Mitch Hanager hit yeah Mitch Hanager hit 246 last year I I agree and this isn't as much about any particular free agent it's it's more just saying that it seems as though the Brewers are jettisoning pieces when they should be picking up pieces aggressively and prioritizing that approach. I don't, I don't know that we're being aggressive. And this comes back to a quote from, and I understand it's a different regime now, but uh, it's, it's actually much of the same regime. David Stearns' comment after the Josh Hayward trade, you and I were in complete agreement, both very upset after that trade was made. When it was this uh, discussed that Stearns had some quote, like the Padres called him and they worked out a deal because the Padres called. 
it's like, well, why aren't you calling 29 other GMs and figuring yeah, out? Yeah, we what definitely need to be more proactive. Yeah, why are we being so reactive? Like, we've got talent. We've got, you know, some minor league options. Like, And if it's not about a free agent, like, a, you know, Mitch Haniger, but, you know, there are others out there that are probably more desirable that are still affordable, even if stretching the budget. But take that out of the picture. We could still be being aggressive on the trade market right now, too. And I'm okay being creative that way and saying, okay, well, you know, maybe maybe we do need to look at um, – selling on Eric Lauer while he's high, or maybe we need to uh, part with a couple of our prospects right now in order to get, you know, real big league talent. I'm not saying that that's necessarily what we should be doing, but I'm saying that you haven't gotten better since last off season. And if your plan is only to unload salary and to rely on prospects when you've got two years left of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff together, I don't know. I don't know that that's the best plan. I think that you can certainly integrate guys like Joey Weimer and uh, Garrett Mitchell and others into the mix for sure. I just don't think that necessarily relying on them to hit 30 home runs in the middle of your order next year is necessarily going to be the best approach without at least getting somebody in that middle of the lineup that can pose a threat to, you know, a pitcher from another team. I I feel so – Still feel that there's going to be more lineup, lineup uh, shakeup going on this offseason. So we shall see and whether that means signing some free agents or making some more trades. So like just as an example, throw out there. Let's say we just don't like too many of the bats that are left. Obviously, the last two seasons we signed like a veteran outfielder like uh, Z- Jackie Bradley Jr. and Andrew McCutcheon yeah. for the end of the offseason, and uh, we might be laying in the weeds to do something like that again. But Maybe instead we should be trading Eric Lauer for some uh, a young like a package with like a younger franchise type hitter uh, potential player, and then in, in turn filling that hole we make by doing that trade by signing someone like a Zach Greinke on a one year deal, you know. To, well, to yeah, and, and and that then that could very well be an option. And somebody like Greinke has publicly said he is comfortable pitching in Milwaukee. I know it's it's not the Zach Greinke of 2011. We're all aware of that, but he's not a bad fifth starter. And, you know, one of the things that the Brewers, I think, could be more aggressive about doing right now is taking on some of the salary concerns of another team, if that's what it would take to push our offense over the edge. So, you know, whether that's taking on two contracts, one of which is bad in order to get some quality, I'd be okay with that. I know it's not my money, but, you know, quite frankly, in a way it is, because this is this is the the franchise that has told us that, again, they were going to be putting money towards talent on the field talent during these seasons it's just it's, it's very frustrating as a fan who you know spends a lot of money to go and support the team it's just it's yeah you know, it can be frustrating just just out of curiosity um looking at all the players that are still unsigned and free agents is there anyone that piques your interest and in some that you would like us to sign in particular uh i'd have to go through the list again at this point i think you know we're, we're not obviously going to be getting involved in the Carlos Correa sweepstakes. I I, I, I feel like we're gonna end up maybe, signing someone like Brandon Belt or some washed up veteran, yeah, no, just like those like last that. two years. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe Evan Longoria, but I still, but even he doesn't totally get me excited at this point. No, I don't he's, know. He's um, in the same boat as Brandon Bell, is washed up veteran who's like in the last year to his yeah. career. Same thing with those last right. two guys. It seems like we need to have someone with a little bit more upside. Um, the, the two guys that stood out to me as a potential match when I looked at the list were 
is I hate to say it, but but it, like maybe Will Myers or even Joy Gallo, guys that will probably yeah. be be willing to do like a one year um, deal to regain their value if possible. And I think those guys I, are are closer to thirty than they are to forty, both of them. So. Uh, again, not super exciting, but I, other than that, it's hard for me to look at the list of guys out there for unsigned, and especially any. I'm I'm mostly just talking about non-catchers at this point, but um, yeah. maybe we should make a play for Christian Vasquez, a uh, former uh, catcher, you know, for the yeah. Red Sox and Astros. But I, I don't even know that you know that might be a realistic type free agent signing, I guess, at this point. Yeah, yeah, that rumor was out there uh, as recently as. This morning, I think I, I saw that. Um, yeah, I don't know. None of those guys that you mentioned excite me either, to be totally frank. I mean, Joey Gallo's numbers last year were atrocious. And that's part of a general tr- a problem and trend that, you know, offense has been down league, league-wide. So you're not seeing some of the great numbers that maybe we would have seen in seasons past. And I don't know if um, we're going to, you know, see some of that changing with the shift being banned. So that maybe that, that is going to change. Um, I do think that Winker is going to have some better numbers in Milwaukee than he did in Seattle, just because of the park. Um, he always seems to have hit well in Milwaukee, but uh, I mean, Joey Gallo hit, let me just pull up the stats here. He hit 160 last year. I mean, 160, 280 OBP. I, I just, I just don't see the, the appeal to be totally frank, but um, 163 strikeouts to 56 walks. <laughs> I mean, those numbers can only yeah. improve. That's only improve. But anyway, yeah, no, I told you. What's funny is I would have actually said that after he hit two or 199 in 2021, but they actually managed to go down. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and uh, we'll see. Like I said, it, it, I, I think oh. we might we might be making some trades with our starting pitching depth. I think it all kind of depends on who's willing to sign. If it's Burns, Woodruff, or neither on what we'll do with some of our valuable rotation pieces or not. Um, but we shall see. So, um, re- all right. So that not to divert from Burr baseball, but once again, we have one of our former co it's Christmas time. And one of our former co-hosts, Scott Portell has kind of gone to a dark place and then we need all of our listeners to pull together and please send him emails at Scott loves baseball at yahoo.com because he has recently professed to us that he no longer loves baseball, which means it's going to be very hard to still love the Milwaukee Brewers. So, but anyway, um, I'm going to give you, and, and a lot of our newer listeners might ask, well, why do you keep referring to Scott as such a great man? And uh, here's a top five list on why Scott is a great man. Number five, he's uncompromisingly himself. He also has a nice sense of humor. Number four, he seamlessly switches between fluffy mode and dark mode. Fortunately, he's in dark mode right now, and we need to bring him out of it. Um, So our our future listeners can experience fluffy mode once again. All right, so number the third way this guy is a great man, he has a foolproof strategy that he implements with the opposite sex. Um, Second reason... He likes to to give home home tours, actually. Yeah, he does, yeah. He'd give tours that ended in his bedroom, and then uh, that was the end of the tour. So, very brilliant. Um, number two, number two, he's a hundred percent unwilling to leave his comfort zone. Um, so again, not everyone's able to do that as they get through life. And the number one reason that Scott was a great man, or is a great man, was because he loved baseball. So this is where we're really concerned. We don't want him to lose great man status by yeah, I think no longer loving baseball. The- 
Yeah, I hate to have to replace the baseball part with the nice, the the perfect hair thing. Yeah, that would suck. So as far as I know, the only <laughs> humans that have achieved gray man status, um, at least in my lifetime, I believe, is former brewer Tim Dillard. 80s rock star Eddie Money and of course uh Brook Review show host Scott Bartel. So that's really all I'm aware of. And so we really need Scott to retain his great man stats. And we we really find it hard to believe that he'll be able to keep that status if he no longer loves baseball. So if you could please send those emails and again, any anything that you can say just reasons why baseball is awesome. If you could send them to Scott Loves Baseball at Yahoo.com. We really appreciate yep. that this Christmas season is we really need our Christmas spirit and our, our listeners to step in and save Scott, bring him from his dark place, um, kind of like George Bailey on Christmas Eve way back in the 40s or whatever. Uh, we need Scott yep. to come back and, and know that he's he's definitely he's loved by baseball fans and uh, baseball loves him. So, um, yeah, this already reminds me of uh, when we lost our anonymous source, Tom Carter, for a week in 2004. Yeah, that was because yeah, he was because he was mad. He's like, you guys weren't supposed to say my name on your show or the podcast, and yet you said Tom Carter, and and it, it, you know, but fortunately he did come back. Yeah, he still provided us information as of this week. Now Scott's a very complex man, um, but there are things he loves, and there are things that he does not love. Uh, Vince, would you want to? Should we reveal to our listeners what he loves or what he does not love first? I feel like we're sort of on a telethon at this point, Craig, but um, we could go for just things that he loves first, probably. Though, that yeah. does include cotton. cotton Here candy, are the top five things that Scott Bartell loves. Number five, making Craig angry. That's me. He excels at it. Not, he has since 2004 or possibly even 2002 when we first met. Um, or was it 2001? Yeah. It's been a long time. Over 20 years of making me angry. And Scott excels at that. And he loves it. Number four, he loves street meat. All the all the yep. all of you that saw the Toronto episode back in 2005, obviously Scott cannot pass up someone on the street selling meat um, in a cart. Cannot happen. Number three, another thing that Scott loves is cotton candy. He sometimes yep. tried to refute it, but all of his good friends we know that he loves that. Second thing that he loves, um, and that's alcohol. Um, yep. We've tried to tell him that he does not need that, and that is actually something he does not need to love, but he. He claims otherwise, so um, I have not, I have not been telling him that for the record. It's, it's okay. And the number one thing that Scott loves is Milwaukee Brewer baseball. So once again, yep. you can see here a problem arising. Uh, the number one thing that makes Scott a great man is that he loves baseball, and one of the, the number one things that he loves is Milwaukee Brewers baseball. So if he no longer loves either of those things for reasons. Um, that's a very scary thought to, and should be for all of our Brewer fans. So again, please send in your reason. Scott Bartel should still love baseball this Christmas season to Scott loves baseball at yahoo.com. And then Scott will read all his messages. And it's really our hope that he will um, come around the Christmas tree with us and share in gifts and, and take baseball back as a gift from all of America. So, all right, here are the top five things that Scott does not love. Again, does not love. Um, number five, he does not like his dark place. He also does not. Um, number four, he does not like idiots, as he professed his friends to be when you're in Atlanta with him and the various other cities. Um, number five, he does not love driving. 
He many times has refused to drive his friends anywhere, um, including, you know, <laughs> um, to Chicago to see the Brewers or anywhere. Um, so number two, another thing Scott does not love are Airbnbs. Really does not like those. He also does not like hostels and that same grouping. Will not stay at one. Don't even ask. So, and the number one thing that Scott does not love, and that is camping. And I, and mm. I apologize to our listeners who, over the years, we did tell you that Scott loved camping a number of years, and that happened to be not the case. He claims that he still loves camping, but just not with us. But yeah. in reality, he does not like camping. Nothing about it does he like camping at all. Nope. Outside his comfort zone, 100%. So he, he especially does not like setting up the, the tent after dark or after all the other campers are sleeping, which we, it's kind of our staple thing when we go camping with him. So again, that's definitely something he does not like um, at all. So, all right. Um, so again, this Christmas season, Scott also has five, top five Christmas songs. Let's go over this list quick. Again, get your emails sent in to Scott Loves Baseball at yahoo.com. Um, here's Scott's five favorite Christmas songs. Number five, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Number four, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Number three is I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. Number two is Last Christmas, the Wham! version. And his number one favorite Christmas song was sung by the Behind the Couch puppets along with him back over 10 years ago now on our Christmas special. And that is Hanky, the home run, Aaron. Um, oh, so yeah. All, all, all... Go ahead, Vince. I said, yeah, with Body and, Body and Lynn, our former, uh, former yeah, uh, puppeteers. Our... They're definitely um, from the Behind the Couch Puppets. And for anyone who's not familiar with that, uh, we have video of it, of course, um, which is, uh, there's a clip of it in Brooke Review, the movie, but for all of you who have never heard it, here it is. Um, Hanky, the home run Aaron, scar starring the behind the couch puppets, the audio of it, as well as Scott Bartell. So please enjoy. Scott, do you like Christmas songs? Oh, yeah. Oh, I do too. Would you like it if we would sing you a Christmas song? Yeah, that'd be great. Well, all right, here we go. Ready? You know, Corey and Benny. Giovanni and Billy. Brian and JJ. Fielder and Ricky. But do you recall the most famous brewer of all? But um bum bum! Hey, hey, the home run Aaron had a very awesome swing. <laughs> he never needed steroids uh -uh. to become the home run king. All of the other players uh -huh. he's said great. he's great, he leads the game. He did it eating bratwurst. There's no asterisk by his name. Oh, that's not how it goes. No? Oh, oh, you mean you want the more traditional one, the regular Rudolph one. Can we do that game? Yeah, what do you do think? Should we do it for Scott? Yeah, let's do it for Scott. Ready? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, everybody at home, you can sing with us. You can sing too, Scott. Oh, you're so good looking. I'm so glad 
that you're doing this with me. Oh, God. Aren't you having a good time, everyone? Then one foggy Christmas Eve. Everyone at home. Do you know this word, Scott? Not many. Oh, boy. Honest to Pete, isn't it just a beautiful thing when puppets get together to sing Christmas music? Don't you love it? Everyone at home, wouldn't you like to hear more? Shouldn't we just keep going and forget those regular brew crew guys? Ready? Okay? Scott? Scott? Merry Christmas out there, Brewer fans. Merry Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas, everyone. You've you're listening to the Brooker Review 2022 Christmas episode. We've got myself and Vince, Craig and Vince here with you. Again, we're trying to help out our good friend, yep. Scott, who's somewhere hanging over a bridge um, in Las Vegas. Or uh, And he... Actually, it would probably be uh, in Henderson because he wouldn't drive all the way to Vegas for what it's worth. Okay, you're right. Henderson, Nevada. Scott is uh, <laughs> hanging off the nearest bridge and he's professed claiming he no longer loves baseball, which to me is equivalent of no longer loving life. And so we really need you to send in some emails to him, giving him words of encouragement and telling him all the reasons why he should love not only baseball, but Milwaukee Brewers baseball to scottlovesbaseball at yahoo.com. All right, here's, here's the next list. Scott's top five favorite brewers of all time. Number Five, Dana Evelyn. Oh, yeah. Number four, Giovanni Gardo. Number three, Paul Molitor. Number two, Tim Dillard. And number one, Robin Yount. And I do believe Scott has personally interviewed three of those five brewers of his favorite brewers of all time. I'll let you guess which ones they are. Or, of course, if you're a longtime listener or viewer of our show, you know which ones he's interviewed. But those are Scott's top five favorite brewers. So, you know the guy loves baseball, and he's he's just lost his lust for baseball uh, recently. So we really need him to get that back. Um, there's another. Um, let's see here. Let's get to another fun list. Obviously, Scott also has five has multiple multiple competitive eating records. So I'm going to list off his top five competitive eating rest records: um, the date that they happened, the location, and who witnessed them. So they're very important details as these are all official. Um, all right, so without further ado, top five Scott's competitive eating records. Number five, Scott ate 32 Kinder Eggs in Japan on March 13th, 2005. <laughs> and it was witnessed by his Japanese friend, Yoshi. So again, uh, mm-hmm. that's his fifth best comp- competitive eating record. Number four, he ate three slabs of bacon in Henderson, Nevada on December 25th, 2020, pandemic year, and it was witnessed by Penny, his uh, dog. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> he did, a blast. He did uh, purchase a blast freezer during the pandemic, and it definitely came in handy for that competitive eating record. Number three. You know, we just, we just got one, too. They're pretty nice. Yeah, absolutely. They're kind of, yeah. Number three. Scott once ate 73 topper sticks after 2 a.m. This was uh, on the east side of Milwaukee on September 22nd, 2007, and it was witnessed by Brandon, one of his uh, flatmates at the time. Um, yep. 
And uh, yeah, that, that's never been broken, I don't think, by, by any college student even. And Scott was well out of college at that time. So yeah, that's that's and that was after that was after some pizza too, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. Speaking of pizza, his his much. number two can't believe that the can't believe that the leftovers didn't make the cut on the things that he ate. Yeah, he, he really does hate leftovers. I forgot about that. Uh, just missed the top five. Um, okay, so number two, second, number two on the competitive eating record by Scott Bartell is he wants to eat five whole Tomasa's pizzas uh, in Grafton, Wisconsin. That was on May 30th, 2010. I believe that was uh, one of his birthdays in his 30s or whatnot. Um, and uh, his wit- that was witnessed by his brother. Um, again, um, five whole Tomasa's pizzas. Uh, that's located in Grafton, Wisconsin. And his number one competitive eating record, Scott Bartell, was um, 45 Chick-fil-A nuggets that he ate on July 27, 2006 in Nashville, Tennessee, and was witnessed by yours truly and, of course, Vince as well. Both of us witnessed that yep. one. It was uh, inside a mall somewhere Yep. in the food court. He also did it because he knew that Hank Aaron was the home run king, and he wanted to beat his number by one. Yeah, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive by Scott Bartell. So once again, please send in words of encouragement and reasons why baseball is awesome. Send YouTube clips, links, whatever Scott needs. I mean, there's obviously some awesome old brewer footage. I know he loves that 87, uh, or he once loved that 87 Brewers uh, highlight tape. So if you've got some links to that, I'm sure that would help out. Anything you can send to him would be awesome. Again, it's scottlovesbaseball at yahoo.com. Got a couple final lists here. Uh, uh, Scott's gone on Boy, many baseball trips. Up, with Craig, a, a lot of work. Yeah. Um, he's gone on more than five baseball trips. So that's probably upwards of 10. Uh, and there'll be at least 10 more in the future, I'm sure, once he regains his love of baseball. But uh, for now, I've ranked the top five Scott's favorite baseball trips. Number five was to St. Louis in July of 2004. That was with the godfather, Dave Tolson, doing driving. So, again, Scott did not have to drive on that one at all. So, again, he loved that one. And that was one of the first ones uh, that really kicked off uh, our broker review. Is that, is that the one where he went to Hollywood Dolls and he left his uh, his glasses or whatever? Yeah, he actually had a girlfriend named Michelle at the time. And uh, she worked with the Blanca Brewer ticket office as well. But, unfortunately, they got a call in the ticket office uh, from Hollywood Dolls and Scott had left his wallet the night before. Um, so I guess that that may have ended that relationship, but uh, he said that, that she was a little bit flawed uh, in some, some regards anyway. So so he moved on um, and like all great men do. So, uh, all right, number fifth favorite, Scott's fifth, or uh, four, I'm sorry, fourth favorite baseball trip was to San Diego and LA in September of 2009. This is yours truly. He got to see Petco Park, Dodger Stadium, and see some Nine Nails show, so he really liked that one. All right, number three, that was New Orleans, Atlanta, Panama City Beach, and Huntsville in April of 2007 with the both of us. Um, he, he, of course, once he got to New Orleans, he not only helped it recover from Hurricane Katrina by contributing to their economy, but he he also um, yeah he he, he donated a, a lot of marks each Shinbark of the Moon books to the local economy. All the proceeds went uh, so both Mark and Scott stepped up in a big wave with that. 
That was in April of 2007. Um, second favorite baseball trip for Scott Bartel was the Toronto-Detroit-Windsor trip in June of 2005. Again, he did not have to drive on that one, even though he did have six drivers in Brandon's vehicle. Brandon was not one of them. We had Uncle Junebug, who took the wheel for me once because I had put a median. Uh, Chad Collins, uh, Vince was along with that. Little Rhino. Great human oh, yeah. ideas was along that one. So, yeah, that was his second favorite of all time. And his favorite trip of all time was to Nashville, Tennessee in July of 2006 with both Vince and myself. So, um, great trip, great memories. I know you got to interview Giovanni Garrido for the first time during that trip. And, uh, yeah, so those are some great memories for Scott. And, uh, again, all these reasons make him a great man. And you can see why he's loved baseball for the majority of his life or all of his life, really. And so for him to profess that he no longer loves baseball is just kind of, it's, it's real alarming for his friends and uh, people who have loved Scott over the years to, to know. So please, please step up and send Scott an email at uh, scottlovesbaseball at yahoo.com or post on our, if you want to just post something on our, on our Twitter feed you could do that as well scott reads that religiously even though he doesn't love baseball and what is our twitter handle once again vince uh Bruker review one is our twitter handle and i did just get a note from scott's interns the emails are starting to to come in already so if you're listening to this podcast thank you for your your quick response is also live of course as well so yeah we're getting some email responses already coming in. that's incredible i i i thank all of our listeners so much for do, for stepping up and doing that role um Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, let's, uh, let's see. Scott's also been known for his catchphrases, which we all love and all of our listeners have loved over the years. A lot of them were, were actually uttered in the two plus hour broker review, the movie. If you haven't checked that out uh, or would like a copy of it, uh, send an email, your address to Scott loves baseball at yahoo.com. And we'll see if we can get you it somehow. Um, so, but uh, without further ado, here's top Scott's top five favorite quotes number five let's light this candle that means let's do this and number four oh hello um and number three time to hit the old dusty trail and number two it doesn't look good for our heroes he has said that around about the seventh inning on a little several hundred brewer games unfortunately including many playoff games but um anyway and then his no, number one well not that not <laughs> as many as some other <laughs> yeah you're right about that his number one catchphrase for scott bartell is well it was a good run so once again um we don't want this to be the, the end of scott's run as uh, a baseball lover so please Send in those emails of encouragement to scottlovesbaseball at yahoo.com and Scott will be reading those and he'll be having a great Christmas because of it. So, um, yep. all right. I think, is there anything else you want to add? I think I've got at least, um, let's see if we got any more lists here. I think that might just about wrap No, it, it sounds like it wrapped it up pretty good for me, Craig. I, I just think that generally we want to, our, our fans already know all these things about the great man, Scott, and everybody knows, you know, he's just been a legend on brewerfan.net over the years and has been long active in the brewers communities was a ticket seller at Miller park when it first opened up and he disappeared there for a couple of months, but he did come back and found him outside the ticket windows. Uh, but 
I do know that uh, our fans are well aware of, of all the things that Scott has done for them and for the game of baseball and uh, West Dallas and, and the whole Brewers community. So um, I, I think that they understand the lists are nice to highlight, but it's also just, you know, everybody knows it's, it's Scott. Yeah. So please do what you can this Christmas season. I know that you guys give those little red cantinas salvation army. This is not, this is not anything more than that. It's like topping off your, um, your change at Taco Bell or something like that. If you can do that, you can definitely uh, pitch in, pitch in with a little email here to Scott Bartel at Scott loves baseball, yahoo.com. He'll love reading through all these. and I'm sure he'll lift his spirits and get him back on our podcast as soon as possible as he's taking a short hiatus, I believe at this time. I did see there's two more lists I forgot about here, Vince. So let's get these in before we wrap up this podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. But uh, these are Scott's, um, this is kind of an obscure list, but I thought I'd throw it in there. These are uh, t- Scott's top five least favorite monuments or statues. Um, number five um, is the statue of Fergie in Cancun, Mexico not like Fergie for some reason I uh, don't know why um, number four um, the Andrew Jackson statue at the Hermitage in Nashville he chose to skip over that even though we were uh, going to check it out um, um, number three he does not like the Bob Euchre statue at Miller Park have no idea why but it's just not one of his favorites um, number Two, he really dislikes the bronze spawn statue all along the Milwaukee River. So if anyone comes to Milwaukee just to see that, then uh, Scott probably despises you, and I apologize for that. But um, it's really ridiculous. So, and uh, Scott's least favorite Scott statue is the Mahatma Gandhi statue the Gandhi. at yeah. the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Museum in Atlanta. Um, it's just he's not comfortable with that entire. Yeah anything about it really i mean even though it's it stood for nonviolence and peace uh gandhi did and martin luther luther king jr also um was such a great man and, and contributed much to society scott just was not i think the one of the reasons he's not a fan of it is because it's just off martin luther king jr boulevard and that's also should was deeper on his list of top things he uh does not like um but uh Anyway, so unfortunately, that's his least favorite statue, um, and we he he's asked us never to take him back there. So uh, as good friends, we will we won't do that, uh, even if we were to, to go check out Atlanta's uh, newer stadium. But um, all right, so our last list, and again, thank you everyone for turning it into the holidays and for sending those emails to scottlovesbaseball at yahoo.com As we're going to have Scott Bar- ba- Bartel back on the show, hopefully within a couple of podcasts. And giving you his awesome analysis but uh here's one of the last lists and this one kind of makes me sad because i really hope it's these are still true but these are the top five reasons that scott loves milwaukee brewers baseball are you ready fans here we go number five he loves secret stadium sauce Number four, he loves the two-fisted slopper. Number three, he loves being a host of the Burker Review. So hopefully he can continue doing that. With um, he also number two, he loves tailgating, heavy meat consumption, heavy alcohol consumption. So I, I kind of 
wrap those all in the same thing as they they're pretty synonymous with one another but that's the second Perry yep. thing he loves about the Milwaukee Brewers and the number one reason Scott Bartell loves the Milwaukee Brewers baseball is wild card championship banners that we hang from the rafters at, at formerly Miller Park so that's one of the re- so again I really hope that Scott still loves all these things and he still loves the Milwaukee Brewers and, and just baseball in general because once again he's professed to us that he no longer loves baseball and this Christmas season we ask if Christmas can save Scott for once and please if you would as listeners send in your well wishes to our Scott Bartell this Christmas season um, and reasons yep. you should love baseball links uh, poems, perhaps uh, quotes from Yogi Berra, whatever it takes, maybe Bob Uecker, uh documentaries or whatever you want to throw out there to him. Anything that would make him love baseball. Again, please send them to scottlovesbaseball at yahoo.com. So um, still looking forward to this offseason. I was a Milwaukee Brewer fan, Vince. I think that there's going to be a lot of roster movement. I think there's going to be a surprise for agent signing. I think that I hope so. I hope so. We'll look at it optimistically then. I, I hope that you're right. Yep. So again, thanks for tuning in, listeners. I don't know if there's anything, anything else you want to add, Vince, before we wrap no, up. No, just give us a follow, Brewker Review One on Twitter. Uh, general uh, non-Scott-related emails can go to Brewker Review Podcast with an S at gmail.com. Then again, you can also talk about Scott in those emails as well. Uh, we do appreciate you listening and your support, and you're bearing with us through this uh, uh, show. And we're wishing everyone that listens to us a very merry Christmas, just in case we don't tape uh, before the holiday. And for everyone who sends an email to Scott Loves Baseball at yahoo.com, we will rep- uh, we'll have Scott reply to that link with not only a um, a picture of one of our former uh, a JPEG of one of our former Christmas cards from the uh, back in the day. Uh, we'll also send you a link to our very first Christmas special episode, and also a link to Brooker Review the movie for all those who haven't seen it. So. Um, again, please get those emails in and, um, remember stay classy, Wisconsin, stay stay classy, Wisconsin, go Brewers. Because the fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Carry on about your banquet in New York. Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast <laughs> to my big brother. Scott. The richest man in town. <laughs> Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. boy, Clarence. Do do do.